You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Tuesday and we are back for the week, the whole week this time, the rest of it, that is. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground. Sorry, my computer had unplugged itself. And we weren't going to make it through a whole show with an unplugged computer. Uh, I say a whole publisher of Wolverine's Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, apologies, we did not have the the weekend show that I had hoped because I did not get to watch the basketball game uh, against Nebraska. It was at my family's for Christmas. It started at the same exact time as the basketball game and no one wanted to watch it and I had no control over it. Uh, it's probably going to be the same deal uh, as far as talking about the game on New Year's. But uh, nonetheless... We have lots of football things to talk about. Uh, the big news coming the last two days within 24 hours. One Michigan Wolverine is staying and one is going. And it's not the ones you would expect at all. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about my piece that I had put up uh, yesterday, which was this um, 10 things needed to fix Michigan football. Uh, I'm. I, I think we're going to go through all of them, maybe not all of them, but I, I have my little list here of uh, of things that I wrote down that kind of inspired the article. So I'm going to go through that. Actually, I, I got nine things. I know I end up coming up with more, but uh, nonetheless, we'll, we'll talk about what my thought process was because there was a lot of consternation kind of coming out of that. Uh, just like some people were like, yes, spot on, and others were like, you could say this about any program. No, this is specific. It's just grand scheme things. Anyway. So the, the news of the last two days, and by the way, this episode, I should tell you, has been brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, put it in promo code locked on, get 20% off of your next order. Uh, so the, the, the interesting news that came out of the last two days is Aiden Hutchinson decided he is staying, which kind of goes along with what I had long thought, right? Like I, I kind of backed off of that just based off of some of the things he was saying in the preseason of like, you know... You know, if we don't have a season, we'll, you know, there will be a group decision if we come back or if we go, you know, go or whatever. And uh, it just was like, wow, I, I never thought that he would be a guy that could leave early. Uh, and uh, and then it just seemed like, all right, well, he's going to he's going to play this year. And I know he only got two games in one play, essentially, or a handful of plays, one series. And then he was injured. But it seemed like, all right, well, that was nice having Aiden Hutchinson. See you later. He's coming back on the other side. It, it really seemed like Cam McGrone needed to come back, and he just declared today for the NFL draft. I totally did not expect that. Kind of either way. I was surprised either way how that ended up going because I definitely thought McGrone did not have the same kind of output that he did before. It just made no sense to me that he was a guy that uh, decided that he was going to uh, – that he was going to move on. Uh, it, it, make, it, it, it makes sense to me more so, however, that Hutchinson's coming back just because, again, he's a legacy. He's he just got to be a team captain. He just really seemed like he was the type of guy that was just going to make sure he got four years in with Michigan. And it just seemed like that's what was going to be. Cam McGrone on the other end, and this is something I don't like really p- 
putting those things out there that uh, th- that Rainer Sabin puts out there. But I'm going I'm going to here uh, because he's got a point. Pro Football Focus gave Cam Magrone a 58.9 defensive grade for the season. He had two good games in their estimation. He he had a good game against Indiana and a good very good game against Rutgers. Other than that, he was okay against Minnesota. He was a little bit worse against Michigan State and bad against Wisconsin. It just seems really weird to me. Like, really good tackling grades. He's at 88.8%. Rush defense, he was really good except for against Wisconsin, 74 uh, grade. Uh, pass rush was started out really good and then ended really bad. Coverage, not good across the board. Whereas if you look at the numbers the year before, coverage is the same, essentially. So you don't expect a linebacker to cover, so it's fine. But defensively, he was 10 points better, 69.1. Run defense, 75.4, so a point better last year. Uh, tackling, he was a little bit, he was a bit worse at a 72. And pass rush, he was a 76.4, so way better at pass rush. It just seems really bizarre to me that this was the timing of it all, unless you just wanted to get out, which can be the case. I mean, a lot of guys come, come to school with the idea of, I'm going to spend three years and I'm out. doesn't always work out that way. There's one player currently on the team that I would assume is going to be back for another year. I could be wrong, but uh, that uh, seemed like, I mean, I remember he said three years and I'm not, I'm out. And that didn't work out that way. Right. So uh, with Hutchinson, it's a little bit more surprising that he's coming back in the sense that he was getting I saw some first round grades for him. Right. So to me, that's like, okay, that's you know, you definitely could go. You definitely feel like you've uh, you've got a good shot. So uh, anyway. That's all I got on that. It's just it's really it's it's really just shocking to me. I think McGrone probably should have stayed another year. I'm not one of those people that normally says that, and I wish him the best of luck. I'm not going to sit there and say that it's a bad, you know, a bad choice. It just seems like I'm not sure where he's going to grade. Maybe he got a draft grade and it was way better than he thought. And you know, that's it's usually again I adhere to the. Uh, the Dan Mullen, you know, should I stay or should I go, or, you know, early metric. If you're a first three-round guy, go early. So, by all means, Aiden Hutchinson should have gone early. But didn't. But Michigan needs guys like that. Cam McGrone, is he fourth round or later? I, I mean, I would imagine probably, but and if, people might salivate over his athleticism. Now Michigan's going to have the unenviable position of trying to figure out its next middle linebacker. Because uh, he got injured in two games this year. So we'll see what happens as far as will, uh, you know, it, do they ride Adam Shibley? Do they, you know, is it time for them to, to break in one of the other young guys? I mean, Kalel Mullings, they've got tons of different guys. So we'll see what happens there. All right, let's move on to the list. Uh, I think it's uh, it's time. Anyway, but first, before we do, are we ready for some football? 
college football heads into bowl season. It's been bowl, uh, bowl season. There's some big matchups coming up this week. Obviously, we got the playoff games coming up here soon. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming crystal clear one week left of the regular season. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, so, yeah, again, college football, I, I mean, I couldn't be more excited for some of these games these next couple days. Uh, the Peach Bowl really has me intrigued, the Cincinnati-Georgia matchup. I'm really curious to see what that's going to look like. Uh, obviously, the playoff games, uh, assuming I'm going to be in a position where I can watch them. I never get to watch the playoff games. It sucks. But And this year should be different, but we'll see. Anyway, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget use, to use that promo code locked on. Receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so let's do the first half of these 10 things. I'm going to actually just go to my article, and I'll give you a little bit more thoughts on it because I don't I don't want to read my list where I don't understand what I'm trying to say. So, all right, number one, the execution on both sides needs to be better. That, I think, is crystal clear. Michigan, like, here's the thing with Michigan's execution. It hasn't been that great on either side of the ball. 2016, it was pretty good on both sides of the ball, for the most part. Whereas it just seemed like there's just mental mistakes on both sides of the ball, and it's been a couple years thing. 2019, well, really the end of 2018 forward. I don't know what, what's happened since then, but, like, you know, the defense was always a lot better. And then the offense, like, it, it, it just wasn't what it was after 2015 and 2016 when it looked like it was just ascending, and then it just kind of got mired in mediocrity more so. People talk about the offense like it's been a complete disaster forever. It hasn't. It was, you know, they didn't have, like, mind-blowing numbers, but it was really good in 2015 latter half of 2015 almost all the way through 2016 before Spate's injury really before that Iowa game it was incredible uh and then 2018 again like for what it was supposed to be which was you know this ball control slow grinded out type offense I mean it was great uh but again the just miscues and that's really what's plagued this team on both sides it just seemed, particularly this last year, it always seemed like there were a couple guys that just did not know what they were doing. I don't know if that's a lack of spring ball and fall and traditional fall camp and all that stuff, but I mean, you'd think that with all of the time on task they had with all the Zoom meetings, it just would have been better. It just wasn't. I mean, it's just un, I, I, it just makes no sense to me that that's how it ended up going. But a lot when I you know I mentioned in the article seniors being out of position. I think I can't help but think about Kalik Hudson pretty much throughout the 2019 Ohio State game. It was just dude that had shown like he was a star-type player, just 
acting like he had never been on the field before against Ohio State. It's just really, really weird. Then you see, you just see other, other teams like Ohio State not tend to have those issues, right? Ohio State makes very few mistakes. Sometimes they do make mistakes. They've made more this year, but it just seems like they don't really make a lot of mistakes, and that's what really keeps them in. Uh, number two, the coaches need to make smarter personnel decisions. I mean, that's something we've been talking about forever. It, does, it isn't exclusive to the, to the running backs, though, right? It, and this is offensively pretty much. But, like, it's the, – the other thing is the wide receivers. I mean, people mention, hey, look, uh, you know – What's his name? A.J. Henning had a really good play. And then you don't see him again. I don't understand why they don't do the whole feed the hot hand thing. They were doing that. And the running back thing is really confusing for the sake of they did it a lot. You know, the year before. The only explanation that I have is the thing that everyone was talking about. You know, again, and I've said this on this show before. So many people would talk about, you know, this is a free year. You know, get your guys' experience, get those younger guys in, you know, make sure that those guys, get, you know, get their time. And then when Michigan went and did it, those are the same people being like, fire Harbaugh. It, you know what I mean? Like, it's those same voices, those same people. I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I'm not even just throwing that against the wall. Literally, the same people are the ones that are out there saying that. It, it defies expectations. They just got to be smarter regardless. I, I don't care what this last year was. They just got to be smarter with personnel decisions. It's going to be even tougher with the running backs room because, yeah, you lose Chris Evans. Uh, Christian Turner's gone, but he wasn't really a factor. But now you, you bring him Donovan Edwards. It's going to be that much more confusing. It needs to be more consistency was my next one. This is, again, just like, this is scheme-wise. And this is, again, why it's specific to Michigan. Because it, it, this is different than the execution thing. This is, prob this is more of a consistency in coaching, in scheme. Because as much as, you know, everyone was in defensively play zone, play zone, play zone, they started implementing more zone. These players were not ready for it and couldn't do it. And guess what? Who got better in coverage? The the corners. And then they were still playing zone, and they were just getting throttled whenever they did. Watching that last game of the year, Penn State, every time they dropped it back into zone, it was like an automatic first down. It was so frustrating to watch. Offensively, the scheme looked so incredible. I mean, on both sides of the ball, the scheme was beautiful against Minnesota. Everything they were trying to do. And I understand to some degree, like Michigan State, you know, from their offense recognized, we get rid of the ball really quick most of the time. We can negate the pressure. But offensively, Michigan just got completely away from a lot of the concepts that they were using in week one. How, how much did we, you know, and even in week one, a couple times they went from being, you know, having this field all spread out, playmakers everywhere, and then condensing the formation, which is telling them, yeah, we're going to run the ball. And then guess what? They did. It wasn't like watching the NFL where you, they go in a condensed formation and then throw out of it. Uh, they went into a condensed formation, got linemen with the hands in the ground, and they would run the ball. And surprise, 
the other team knew that they were going to run the ball and keyed in on the run. And right now, Michigan, and this will get to a later point that I have, Michigan is not in the spot that it needs to be where it can, when it's trying to do too much, when it's trying to be too cute, when it's trying to do all these different things, uh, that it, it's it can it can't just say we're just going to line up and run the ball and dare you to stop it because they just aren't that kind of team right now. It needs to be that kind of team. I'm not saying schematically they need to change and become man ball pound it down your throat. I'm just saying that they need to be consistent in whatever they're trying to do. If they're going to be a spread team, be a spread team. If you you know with the pro style elements that you can still have those right they that's what what made that first week look so tantalizing it doesn't matter that minnesota wasn't very good it was what michigan was running that was good because they didn't really run the same stuff for the rest of the year um they just have to have the bread and butter plays where it's like hey we need three four five six seven yards something in the middle we can get them every time i mean or the deep ball play right like you think back to the rich rodriguez era there were those those plays. There was that one where Denar Robinson acted like he was about you know he'd get the get the shotgun snap. He would take a step forward like he was going to run forwards. Then he would take a step back, and Roy Roundtree would be wide open down the seam. They need to come up with their bread and butter plays, plays that you know that like teams are not going to be able to defend it. Honestly, also. They need to get. They need to run the quarterback if they're going to run the quarterback. You run Joe Milton a lot to start the year, and then you, after that, you're like, you know what? Quarterback run doesn't exist. Doesn't make any sense. This kind of sounds converse to what I just said, but there needs to be more unpredictability, because Michigan's version of unpredictability is a bunch of motions and things of that nature, offensively that doesn't fool the defense at all. Defensively. It seemed like I don't know what they were doing blitz wise, but like thinking about the Wisconsin game in particular, it didn't seem to matter where they were bringing the pressure from. Wisconsin always knew where the pressure was coming from and always was able to run away from it every single time. That's why Wisconsin beat Michigan. They diagnosed where the pressure was coming from because, like, if they would have run one of those edge plays towards the pressure, almost definitely would have been a tackle for a loss. But every single time, they knew where the pressure was coming from. Some of that could have been what I said the other day about Don Brown's uh, his play calling being figured out. Wisconsin might have had might have figured out exactly what was coming, what was happening. So, uh, but they just need to be more unpredictable in in some of the play calling, and that's what was the so tantalizing about those first two years is they had so many different looks and so many different things that teams didn't really know what was coming. And now it just seems like they, even if they're trotting out a bunch of different looks, teams know exactly what's coming. I just, I don't understand it. All right. Last one for this segment. And then we are going to do the latter half in the next. Uh, That's there needs to be more of a hard edge. These players, it's I swear when they get down only once in a while have we seen this team come back and yeah they lost that game against Penn State but you at least saw them you know say like hey we're down 21 but we're gonna come back 
We're going to we're going to fight this one out. This this team that we just saw really kind of seems like oh, we're down. So game over, I guess. This team needs to be unrelenting. That's what was awesome about the defense uh in 2016, 2017, 2018. It was unrelenting. It didn't stop. The defense kept coming at you. The offense has never really been, you know, we're just going to go and put on points. But that's what Alabama is. That's what Ohio State is. If we can score 60 every game, we're going to do it. We're going to put the ball down your throat. You're not going to be able to stop it, and we're going to play with an edge. It doesn't seem like these guys play with an edge. They need to figure out how to do that. All right. So that is it for that. Anyway. Built Go makes you the best you, whatever you do. Break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. Easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, Chocolate coconut and chocolate mint. How does Built Go work so well? Well, Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into the system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work and my workout. Beta alanine, B3, honey, a kick of caffeine, and then kicks to keep me going strong with 10,000% of my daily percentage of B6 and B12 vitamins. Plus, collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. The stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED. You'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, if you haven't listened to it, uh, I did the every Tuesday, still doing the Locked On College Football. Usually why, yeah, I'm more of a night owl. I normally am more talkative at night, which is why I've been doing these at night. But uh, definitely on Tuesdays, just because I'm not going to do... I'm not going to talk for an hour straight. Just not going to happen unless I'm actually on the radio, uh, which I know. I, I just don't like to talk for an hour straight. So uh, that's why you get these shows at night. But remember, check out Lockdown College Football with Zach Blackerby. It's always a fun time. Zach's awesome, and it's super fun doing the show with him. Anyway, let's get back to uh, let's get back to my list here. We got to power through it. We don't have a ton of time left. Players need to meet or exceed recruiting expectations. Because here's the thing. Ohio State gets five stars, and it's not a shoot. It's not a, like a sure thing, right? Like, they've had five stars that haven't panned out, Isaiah Pryor, for instance. But for the most part, like, they get a five star, and it's like, yeah, he plays like a five star. They get Justin Fields, like, yeah, Justin Fields is a five star. They get uh, uh, Zach Harrison. Zach Harrison's playing like a five star. They got Chase Young. Chase Young played like a five star. They get, a, you know, Nick Bosa. He plays like a five star. Michigan only gets a couple five stars every couple years, right? And like Donovan uh, Peoples-Jones, I, I, I think he was really good. But did he play like a five star? No, he didn't. You know, Aubrey Solomon, they had him for a year. And you didn't get, get a chance to see him play like a five star. I don't think he's really doing that in Tennessee either. Rashawn Gary, even though I still think there's a really valid excuse that he was getting double, triple team quite a bit. Uh, and... Also, like when he wasn't, Chase Winovich was just honestly a little bit better at getting to the quarterback. But I'd say that, all things considered, Rashawn Gary played like a really good four-star, not the number one player in the country. 
they're really good at like as some people said player development's just a problem. It's not a, an overall problem. I swear people just overlook some of the part where they're getting really good things from a lot of their three stars. Ronnie Bell was a three star. Josh Metellus, who's gotten some time here in the NFL, three star. Khalid Hudson was a three star. The Glasgow brothers, all walk ons, no stars. So they're doing some good things with a lot of the ones that aren't supposed to. They're getting some four star production from some of their three stars. Their four stars, in, in some cases, are giving them exactly what they're, you expect. In some cases, they're giving you three-star performances. The five stars are giving you anywhere from three-star to mid-four stars. They need to get more out of them. They need their guys to come in and say, hey, we, we got these four stars. They're playing like five stars. We got these five stars. They're playing like five stars. While continuing to get what they're getting out of a lot of their three stars. That's what needs to happen. Because you look at other programs, you look at Alabama, you look at Clemson, you they they're just maybe they're just doing better with player evaluations. I don't know, but at the same time, you got people like Peoples Jones was a guy that everyone wanted, and it just didn't. It, I'm not saying it didn't work because it worked. It just he was he played like he was rated around three or three hundred in the country, not like he was rated like twenty something. So they got to get more out of those guys. They got to feature those guys more. If you got a guy that is that elite, you got to feature him. And that's confusing to me that they don't. Number seven, Michigan needs to compete for more top end recruits. Now, they're getting, they've had some really good recruiting classes. This isn't a knock on their recruiting. I think that they're recruiting just fine. But to get to that next level, they also have to bring in more of that top end. They need to get more five stars, in my opinion. Not saying a ton. They at least need to be in it for more. It doesn't seem like they're even targeting a lot of those guys. And I know some of them, like, all right, a lot of them might not qualify. Might, you know, they might just have written Michigan off. But the difference between the early Harbaugh years, it seemed, and now, is it seemed like those first couple years, it was like there's five or six realistic options in the top 32 players in the country that could come to Michigan. Now it's just like it's almost like you're writing that off unless you get an early J.J. McCarthy commitment, right? Like after J.J. McCarthy, what's – I mean, Donovan Edwards was the next big fish, There, but there's no other guys that were rated that high. And, I mean, I think that at, at the very least they need to be trying to get top 100 guys. I know that they're not looking at the 24-7 composite to do their recruiting, and that's fine, but at least be on the same level – of because more often than not those recruiting rankings are right, <laughs> so you, you got to be able to to be in those competitions to get some of those top guys, more of them, and then you got to develop them. They again the same idea, four stars need to play like high four stars or five stars, but you got to get those guys in. No more of what feels like settling to some degree. Again, really good recruiting classes, but you need more. Eight. Can't suffer untimely injuries anymore. I swear Michigan is like one of the only teams where it's just like by the time they get to the Ohio State game, they're just reeling, right? They always have like at least one star player that's brutally injured. 2016, Wilton Spate. 2018, both Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich. Shells of themselves. And then in the game itself, they lose Devin Bush. 
and they lose Shea Patterson and they lose David Long. I swear they just uh, they suffer untimely injuries constantly where other teams don't. And even when other teams do, Ohio State has lost uh, their starting quarterback in a handful of games against Michigan. They always have a guy that comes in and just lights it on fire. JT Barrett did that. Uh, well, not JT Barrett. Sorry, Cardell Jones did that. Uh, who else did it? Dwayne Haskins did it. They they just need to be able to sustain a little bit more. It just I don't understand what it is. Maybe it's the strength and conditioning. I don't know. Ben Herbert is widely known as one of the best in the business. So I, I don't know that it's that, but they got to do something, right? Because it just always seems like everyone's going to suffer injuries. Michigan always seems to suffer injuries to the key players at the worst time. I don't get it. Number nine, there needs to be more accountability. That starts at the top. Um, Harbaugh was a lot more accountable for the losses this year, at least the day of the game. And then Monday it was the same old, I really like how our guys are competing, blah, blah, blah. I want to see... I don't, I don't care about his sideline demeanor as much as others do, but what I do want to see is whatever he says on Saturday, right? Like if he, after the game on Saturday, he says, yeah, this was, te- you know, that was terrible. We got to be better. On Monday, when we talk to him again, I want him to still be like, yeah, it was still terrible. We got to be better, right? I don't want him looking for silver linings. I understand what he's saying to the media is not what he's doing behind closed doors, but it's still the message that you're publicly sending. And I just want to see, again, if you want this team to have that hard edge, it's got to start up top. And then it also has got to do with the captains and the leadership. And, you know, guys walking the walk. I hate the cliche. I talked about that. I hate, I hate that cliche. If you, you know, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk. That's very much an 80s cliche. Uh, it just seemed like it was like, you know, used every other week on Full House. You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, nonetheless, they absolutely need, like, again, to the Cleek Hudson point. That's where, I, again, I'm thinking is, like, you have a team captain who's having a bad game. It, there has to be a pl- point where, like, listen, you're a team captain. You can't afford to have a bad game because you have to be the example. So... Last one, Michigan needs to win some big games it's not supposed to. Because how do what do we know of Jim Harbaugh? Like, how did we come to know of Jim Harbaugh? We came to know of Jim Harbaugh because his Stanford teams were beating USC teams that had no business winning. Since he's come to Michigan, he's won exactly zero games that he wasn't supposed to win. That's not new to... Michigan though because like I, I when I think about Brady Hoke in his tenure I can't think of I can only think of one game that Michigan wasn't supposed to win under Brady Hoke that they won and that's Notre Dame in 2011 under Rich Rod I can think of two games 2008 Wisconsin 2009 Notre Dame and 2000 actually three and 2010 Notre Dame but 2006, what you know, what kicked it off, what kicked off that campaign. Michigan was supposed to get destroyed by Notre Dame and ran them out of their own building. Michigan State does it at least once a year, it seems, no matter how good or bad they are. Michigan needs to find a way to come into these games, and this is, again, the hard-edge thing, 
needs to be able to come into someone else's building, needs to expect like Wisconsin came in. No one expected Michigan to win. That game went exactly as everyone expected. Michigan needs to play that game like, wow, okay. But that never happens. So they got to figure that out. We are way over time. So anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, with stuff. I don't know what we're going to talk about because who knows? We're basically in the offseason. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.